Welcome to the podcast for Gateway Baptist Church. You're listening to a message from our Mackenzie campus. Find us at gatewaybaptist.com.au if you'd like to connect with us as we seek to change lives by following Jesus in our community, our nation and our world. As Jason mentioned, this is our last week in our Love Never Fails series and we've been unpacking a great verse, a chapter on love written by the Apostle Paul to the church in Corinth. And I just want to pick three words out of that today. 1 Corinthians chapter 13 verse 4 says this, Love is kind. Love is kind. Now I've been part of Gateway now, on team at Gateway. This is my 21st year. I know I don't look that old, but I've been around here for a long time. And when I started out on the team here, I was on the youth team and I was the youth pastor. And we used to come up with all kinds of crazy ideas and nights, as I know the team here still does. But we used to have this one night that would appear regularly on our youth calendar called an R-A-K night or a random act of kindness night. And the whole purpose was we got our high school young people together and we decided that we were going to bless people purely for the sake of blessing them. It wasn't that we chose people that were necessarily in great need or that they'd done something spectacular that week. We just decided to pick on people and to randomly bless them. You know, I look back on that and I think, I'm not sure a grade eight boys life group cooking you a meal or a grade nine girls life group painting the walls in your house is really a random act of kindness. Some nights it was more like a random act of chaos. And let me publicly apologise to anybody who uh, felt the ill effects of any of those nights. But RAK nights or random act of kindness nights were some of the highlight moments on our calendar because kindness is infectious. See, kindness does something to the person that's the recipient of it. When we're on the end of an act of kindness, it does something to lift our spirits and make us feel good about ourselves and just feel loved and valued. But kindness also does something for the giver. I remember the buzz of our young people coming back from those nights where we painted or done a garden renovation or taken food to people and just saw the impact that an act of kindness can have on the human heart. What is kindness? Paul just says love is kind. Now kindness is a really hard thing to define. Although when we experience it, we know exactly what it looks like. But kindness is generosity. Kindness is benevolence. Kindness is care. Kindness is compassion. Kindness is when someone goes out of their way just to bless for the sake of blessing. Take all of those things and roll them in one and, and we get a sense of what kindness is. Yes, so kindness is incredibly generous to us as people. Kindness is disarming. Kindness is relationship building. Kindness is such a powerful tool. It is such a powerful virtue. And so when we turn to the Scriptures, the Scriptures speak of kindness regularly. And it unpacks it in a really significant way. The first thing the Scriptures says to us this morning is this, that kindness is evidence of the Holy Spirit's work in us. The Apostle Paul writing to another church in a place called Galatia, in Galatians chapter 5 says this, The fruit of the Spirit is love, joy, peace, forbearance or patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness and self-control. In other words, one of the things that shows the evidence of God's work within us The presence of the Holy Spirit in our life is a growing kindness. When Paul says it's the fruit, it's evidence. It's what's produced 
by the work of the Holy Spirit within us. Paul goes on to write to another church in a place called Ephesus and says, you know, kindness isn't just a mark of what God's doing within you. Kindness is actually commanded as a mark of Christian community. He says this in Ephesians 4, be kind and compassionate to one another, forgiving each other just as in Christ God forgave you. Follow God's example, therefore, as dearly loved children and walk in the way of love, just as Christ loved us and gave himself up for us as a fragrant offering and sacrifice to God. You know, when people look in on us as a faith community, as a church community, when people look at us gateway, kindness should be one of the things that they observe at work in the way we treat each other, we speak to each other, we deal with people that we find difficult, we deal with those that we love the dearest. See, kindness, Paul says, should be a mark of the way you are together in Christian community. Be kind, he says, and compassionate. We go on. Kindness is spoken of in the words of Jesus. And he says this, that the kindness is reflected in the way that God deals with us. It's not something we're just asked to do in the way we deal with others. It actually comes from the very heart of the way that God deals with us. Not just when he likes us, or when we think he likes us, because he always does. He loves us more than we ever imagined. But, but kindness is even something that God shows to those that are his enemies. In the Gospel of Luke chapter 6, Jesus says this, love your enemies. I mean, this is one of the most revolutionary teachings that there is. That, that love isn't something we just show to people that are nice to us or uh, you know, have an affinity with us or people that we like. Jesus actually says, I want to tell you what love looks like. Love is something that you show even to your enemies. He says, love your enemies, do good to them and lend to them without expecting to get anything back. Then your reward will be great and you will be children of the Most High. Listen to this, because He is kind to the ungrateful and the wicked. God isn't just kind to those that are give him attention or worship or praise. God is kind to even those that want nothing to do with him, even those that are enemies of God. God is kind. It comes from the very heart of who God is. And so Paul, when he writes his great chapter on love in 1 Corinthians 13, just says this little phrase, love is kind. He then goes on to unpack a little bit more. He says, love is kind. It does not envy. And a little bit further on, he says this, love keeps no record of wrongs. It does not delight in evil. So love is kind. It does not envy. It does not delight in evil. If you want to know what the opposite to kindness is, Paul tells us. He says, love is kind, but love doesn't envy. Love is kind, but love doesn't delight in evil. Another word we could put on that is love shows no malice. And so kindness is others-focused, others-centred, where envy is self-centred and self-focused, where malice seeks to harm and be destructive in our relationships with others. Kindness seeks to bless and build up. And so Paul says love is kind. Love isn't envious and love takes no delight in evil. Let me ask a really confronting question for all of us this morning. What do you delight in? What do you delight in? I mean, do you delight in the success of others? 
not just a false happiness or a smile or, or an applauding of when others do well, but deep down in your heart, in your spirit, do you delight in the success of others? Do you delight when others flourish? Do you delight when others receive recognition even when you don't? Do you delight when someone else receives something that you'd hoped for? What, what do you delight in? What's your heart delight in? Or, or, like me at times, do you delight in others' misfortune? Do you delight in others' failure? Do you delight in others' ridicule or embarrassment? Do you delight when revenge is enacted in someone else's life? You know, there's something in the human heart that can be so skewed that we find joy in the downfall of others. That place we find ourselves when our own insecurities, our own jealousies, the envy that resides within us is manifest in an inward emotion or dialogue that finds joy when someone else fails. What do you delight in? You know, so often we are faced in life with predicaments where we're caused to choose how we're going to respond. You know, I think back to my schooling years where you were waiting for the announcement of who was going to make the team. And you knew there was only one or two spots left and you were standing there in a row with a couple of your best mates and everything in you wanted that spot. It was something you hoped for, you dreamed of. What happens when someone else's name is read out? What happens when there's a room full of deserving people going for a job and you don't get it, but someone else does? You know, we even right now, like through this coronavirus season, we've been enjoying some TV shows as a family and so many of them are set up where people are competing against each other. We like some of the cooking shows, but, but what happens when you know there's only one spot left and you don't want someone else to fail, but you want them to fail enough that your success rises above so you get the spot. Or a singing competition where your two great talents or artists go up against each other, but only one person can progress to the next round. You know, we all love to succeed. We all love to do well. We all love it when it's our name read out or we get that final place. But I want to ask, how does our heart respond when it's not our name read out or we don't get the recognition or the acknowledgement that we deserve or someone else succeeds in a place where we don't? I want to ask, do we love success so much that we need to celebrate the downfalls and the failures of others to make ourselves feel better? I'll be really honest with you. There's, there's moments where on the outside I'm applauding and smiling, but inwardly there's this battle going on that really at times just wants to do so well or rise above myself that, you know, secretly I'm just hoping that it falls apart for someone else. You know, I, I, want, I want to ask the question this morning, how do we deal with that voice or, or that heart condition that actually tends away from kindness. You know, the writer in the book of James says this, James chapter four, verses one to three, he says, so often we want to outsource the responsibility of our problems to others or make excuses for why we think the way that we think. James four from verse one says this, what causes fights and quarrels among you? Don't they come from your desires that battle within you? You desire, but you do not have, so you kill, you covet, but you cannot get what you want, so you quarrel and fight. You do not have because you do not ask God. And when you ask, you do not receive because you ask with wrong motives that you may spend what you get on your pleasures. 
let's just sit in that verse for a moment because I want you to just notice something. Actually, I want you to notice 17 things in those three verses in James chapter 4. Because 17 times the writer uses the word you or the word your. So listen to it again. What causes quarrels and fights among you? Don't they come from your desires, a battle within you? You desire, but you do not have. So you kill, you covet, so you cannot get what you want. So you quarrel and fight. You do not have because you do not ask God. And when you ask, you do not receive because you ask with wrong motives that you may spend what you want on your pleasures. 17 times he says, what's the problem? The problem is you. The problem is me. You see, kindness or envy or malice, it all depends on you. See, what we choose, what we allow God to do in us, the transformation of our heart, the internal dialogue, the tendency towards celebrating the success of others or celebrating the downfall of others comes back to us. And so often we try and outsource and make it someone else's problem, but the Bible just wants us sometimes to do a self-examination and say, what's the problem? The problem is you. The problem is me. What causes fights and quarrels? It's not always everybody else's fault. It's what's happening in you. It's what's happening in me. It's the internal wrestle of our heart. And God wants to transform our heart. Kindness or malice depends on you. See, see, the heart of God that's reflected in the love of God is a heart of kindness. And day by day, those of us that desire to be transformed by the power of God's Spirit should be growing more and more like Jesus. And one of the things that should be growing within us is a heart that reacts naturally or tends naturally towards kindness. Because as Paul says, love is kind. And God is love and what God wants to transform is in you is, is He wants you to become more loving. And becoming more loving, He wants you to become kinder. So what does kindness look like in action? I'm just going to give us five really simple things today that define what kindness looks like in the way we treat others, the way we deal with others in our heart, attitude and reaction to others. And the first one I want to say is this. Kindness celebrates the success of others. As I said, not a false affirmation or applause, but a deep joy when someone else succeeds or does well or receives some affirmation. It's a deep joy that celebrates and cheers on those that God has put us in community with and even those that we have very little to do with. You see, kindness is reflected in the way we celebrate the success of others. Kindness, more than that, is something that cares for the needs of others. And kindness takes a genuine interest in the practical needs of those around us, those that are close to us, those in our community, those right across the world. And kindness cares for another even when it comes to a great cost to ourselves. So kindness celebrates the success of others. Kindness cares for the needs of others. Kindness recognises the value of others. See, someone value is not found in their productivity. We live in a world that values productivity, work hard, achieve a lot, do well. We, we value that. But value in a person is not found in their productivity. 
Value is not found in what someone can give you or what they can produce. Value is not found in someone's status. But kindness recognises and celebrates and champions someone's value that purely comes from the fact that they are an image bearer of their created God. Kindness celebrates people's value. Doesn't see them through the lens of what they can do or what they can offer or their productivity or how successful they are. Kindness values people for who they are, image bearers of the Creator. For kindness grieves with the pain of others. So often in a world we flip this, we grieve the success of others, we mourn, uh, we, we, sorry, we mourn the success of others and we grieve their failures. But kindness chooses to empathise with the story, with the pain, with the background, with the circumstances of another and chooses to mourn with those when they mourn. See, kindness grieves the pain of others. And finally, kindness brings out the best in others. We all know what it's like when we've been on the end of an act of kindness. See, kindness brings out the best in others. If you're an employer, you're a boss, you're a leader, Kindness is one of the greatest ways to get the best out of your people. If you're a parent, kindness is going to bring the best out of your kids. If you're a spouse, kindness is actually going to build a deeper foundation of love in your relationship. You see, we don't have to withhold kindness in an attempt to get people to do what we need them to do or what we want them to do. Sometimes the very thing that we need to unlock in our relationships with others is kindness because kindness brings the best out in other people. Suddenly people respond and relate and react to you, not because they feel compelled or not because they have to, but because they're just, they're compelled in a different way. It's compelled out of love and relationship because they know they're valued. Kindness brings out the best in others. So the Apostle Paul in this great passage says this, love is kind. It doesn't envy and it doesn't delight in evil. I want to encourage us, church, that as we grow in love, we're called to grow in kindness. See, kindness isn't weakness. It's actually a show of strength. Bob Carey says this, unexpected kindness is the most powerful, the least costly, and the most underrated agent of human change. God wants to grow us in love and in growing us in love, He wants to grow us in kindness because love is kind. You know, I wonder for a bunch of us today, like I've had to challenge my own heart at times recently, I wonder whether some of us just know that that internal dialogue is one that more tends towards delighting in the downfall of others more than celebrating the success of others. I just want to pray for you this morning. I want to pray that God, by the power of His Holy Spirit, might start to do a transformative work in you. That you might see that it's something that you need to own. But that God might just start to make you every day transform more into His likeness. That you might be a person that is known for your kindness. Would you pray with me this morning? Lord God, love is kind. Your words, it's your heart. In you we see kindness personified. 
But God, we live in a world where we're faced with circumstances regularly where we're forced to make the choice of whether we're going to delight in what you're doing in the lives of others or whether we're going to delight in their downfall. And God, right now, some of us need to be challenged and convicted and we need to say sorry for the times where we've delighted in the downfall of others because God, that is not love. But love is kind. Holy Spirit, would you do a deep work in our hearts, in our lives? God, would you help us be reflective of you and your nature? Would you help your love emanate from us in every aspect? But God, today especially, that we might be people that in our, our families, in our workplaces, in our church community, in the way we engage with everybody that we meet, that we might be known as people that are kind. Because God, you are kind. Thank you, Jesus. Amen. Amen. I trust God will do a deep work in you as you seek to become more like Him. You know, the ultimate show of kindness was found in Jesus. And let me just take you to what the Scripture tells us at His last moments. He'd been convicted and sentenced to death in the most horrific sense on a Roman cross an innocent man but he'd been ruffling lots of feathers and so you know an injustice was done this innocent man is sentenced to death on the cross and in the ensuing hours the most horrific evil happens to Jesus he's beaten he's ridiculed he's abandoned by those closest to him he knows what loneliness feels like he knows what pain feels like and I know for me in those moments where, where I feel like I'm in a battle and Jesus in a real physical battle, there's something in me that just wants to fight back. But Jesus doesn't. He doesn't clench his hands into fists. He actually opens his hands up and allows nails to be driven through his hands in the ultimate act of kindness for you. See, kindness is seen in the nail holes in Jesus' hands. Because with all the power that was available to Him, He chose love. He chose the way of the cross that for us was going to be the way of forgiveness and the way of redemption and the way to have a relationship with God restored. Because if you're joining us, Gateway Online today, and you've never begun a personal relationship with Jesus, it starts at the cross where we discover a God who is so kind, who is so loving that He chose to give His life so that you could be forgiven, so that you may know new life. I want you to gaze this morning on the nail holes in Jesus' hands and see the kindness that God has for you. You see, I think some of us have inherited an understanding of who God is or we've, we've come to believe that, that God's actually just waiting for us to mess stuff up or He's, he's waiting to point out all our flaws and our weaknesses. But that's not what God's like at all because God is love and love is kind. And kindness was reflected on the cross. I want to invite you this morning, if you've never begun a relationship with Jesus, that we would love just to lead you through a prayer where you acknowledge, you speak the words yourself to invite Jesus to come into your life, to be your Lord and Saviour, that you get to experience the love of God, the kindness of God, the forgiveness of God and the grace of God.
It's a gift that He gives you. It's not something that He requires you to get everything right or to you know, pull your socks up and, and, and put a whole bunch of stuff in place before that can happen. He just says, if you come to me and you ask, my gift of grace, my gift of salvation will be yours. Hey, on your screen right now is a prayer. that If you'd like to pray that with me, if you'd like to experience the love and the kindness of God today, why don't you pray this prayer with me? Jesus Christ, I'm sorry for the things I've done in my life. Please forgive me. I turn from everything that I know is wrong and I choose to follow you. Thank you that you died on the cross for me so that I could be forgiven. Thank you that you offer me forgiveness and promise me new life. Please come into my life so I can know your power and grace forever. Amen. Hey, if you prayed that prayer today for the first time, or maybe you just prayed it as a, as a recommittal of your life to God, we just love you to let us know. You see, this is, this is a great starting point for you, but, but uh, God wants you to connect with others and be part of Christian community that's going to help you flourish in your life following Him. And so in your chat this morning, you'll see there's a button right now that you can push and just say, I prayed that prayer. We'd love you to do that just so one of our host team, one of our pastoral team can connect with you. We'd just love to do the journey with you, help you discover every day, every week, just how good God is and just how much He loves you. But today is a day of celebration because right now your sins are forgiven and the grace of God has become your story. Church, why don't we just show some love to all of those right now that are making that decision for the first time to follow Jesus and make Him Lord and Saviour. Hey, as you uh, interact with our team on the chat, church, I just want to invite you just to be ministered to this morning. I just want all of us, no matter where we've come from, no matter what our story is, just to reflect on the hands of kindness that God showed to us.
Hey, thanks for joining us at Gateway Online this morning. I'm so glad that you were able to tune in and be gathered with us together in all the places that we are uh, this morning. Hey, I encourage you next week, Gateway Online is happening again. Uh, jump on our website and find out about all the ministries that are resuming this week. It's going to be so good to start to gather in person again. But we're glad that you've been here and we look forward to gathering with you again next Sunday morning. I trust you have a blessed week and that you know the kindness of God in your story this week. See you, church. We hope you've been blessed by this message. If you've made a decision to follow Christ, we'd love to encourage you on your journey. Help us to help you by going to gatewaybaptist.com.au and clicking on Get Connected.